what are some things that they should be doing in this day and age to find success as a cinematographer? I would say to do most of the things that I didn't do. Welcome back to another episode of the Rough Cut Club. I am your host, Joey Nicotra, here today without my incredible co-host, Mr. Shane Reitzammer, because while he is no longer with us in the studio today, he, at 2 o'clock this morning, had his beautiful baby girl, who I'm excited to announce is happy, healthy, uh, mama's good, baby's good, and they're probably sleeping right now and enjoying their day, but... Uh, while Shane is not with us, we do have one of the most successful filmmaking entrepreneurs with us in the city of Dallas, with us in the studio. He is a cinematographer and owner of Red Creative Films, welcoming to the show our newest Rough Cut Club member, the extremely talented Justin Romine. Justin, thanks for being here today, bro. Hey, thanks for the invite. This I love the podcast, watched it a couple times, and yeah. Awesome, man. Dude, I have been keeping up with you uh, from afar on social media for a while. You have been putting out incredible just value add pieces of content, entertaining pieces of content, uh, cool production projects that you've been working on. And I've known that you've been a problem in the city of Dallas for filmmakers uh, for a long time now. So we're excited to uh, have you in the studio and just chat today. Um, and so, you know, for those that don't know you, can you give me a little bit of backside into how you got into the industry and kind of what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my background is actually not in filmmaking. My degree is in health and fitness management. So I went to school at Texas State University, graduated in 2012, and then got my first job out of college running Anytime Fitness Clubs. And it wasn't until about 2014, 2015 that I fell in love with video creation. And the reason I fell in love with it is because I was the general manager of a club. So I was responsible for bringing in new members and keeping current members, right? So sales, everything. Well, I knew the best way to do that in that day and age in 2012, 2013 was through video. So I started creating videos and I was like, wow, why do my videos look like they suck? <laughs> and I was like, I need to get better at this. This is horrible. So I started going to YouTube University, yep. <laughs> watching all kinds of tutorials, learning all the ins and outs of filmmaking and editing. Uh, and I bought my first camera, the Canon Rebel T5i. Dude, before you even get too far in, I this is literally my exact same story where I bought the T5i and I bought it and I was like, why do my videos suck? <laughs> and yes. it was like, got to go to YouTube University. And that was like the exact same Kickstarter I had. And it's so frustrating when you like have this new passion and then it just dies and you're like i don't want to show anyone this but anyway yeah. i was just like Dude, no. that, yeah it's my exact was that the story. same time frame uh that was for me around 2016 uh yeah, yeah that was 2016 for yeah. me yeah yeah so anyway i think 2015 when i went back and dated it because i had to go back and relive some of that because yeah. i did a presentation at wiley high school yesterday yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah it was 2015 bought the canon rebel t5 Dang, dude. yeah it was about that same time frame and it was it was like Everyone, I feel like, had that camera back then. It was, mm -hmm. you know, the Rebel series was tight. And, yeah. um, but then it was like, I can't shoot 60 frames per second at 1080 on this camera. You know, you, there, you expected to use autofocus getting into the game. And then you're like, well, this camera doesn't work. It doesn't and work. It, yep. And it's just, yeah. It, anyway, it was, it was rough. It was rough. So but. then, you know, the camera I went to right after that. What was that? 
the Canon 70D. Oh, so I wanted that one, and then they came out with the 80D right afterwards, and I borrowed it from a friend, and I like just used his constantly. So, and like <clears throat> most probably filmmakers and anybody that buys a camera at that period of time, yeah, I got the 70D because of Casey Neistat, dude. So, oh my gosh. If anybody out there is listening to this and can get Casey on the show, Casey is one of my bucket list guys to have on the show. He actually spoke to a private group of us, uh, like 20 of us in a room one time at, at the University of North Texas. I'm a huge fan of Casey. And What year was that? 2017. So my senior year of college, he came and spoke to our class and he like gave us this like private prep talk. And I, I have it recorded on my phone. Like I have the audio saved and I'm going to get Casey on the show one day and be like that university kid that like you spoke to that one day. Like I'm still in the industry killing it and you are a huge inspiration for me. So yeah, Casey Neistat, long live forever, man. Well, talk about a small <laughs> world because my creative producer at Red Creative Films, he was at that. that no, meeting. wait, wait yeah. what's, what's his name's name? Chandler Strode. Or it's, I, it's spelled Strobe, but it's pronounced Strady. Okay. Chandler. That name sounds really familiar, yeah. but I was in that room with him. Yeah, you had to have been. Because, yeah, he came to UNT They one borrowed time. his camera. He's on Casey Neistat's vlog. I, I am, too. You are, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in the vlog. We need to go back and Okay, watch that. well, we got to oh, tee that man. up. But, yeah, that I was in that room, That's and I was cool. one of Chandler's classmates that were part of the 20. Whoa. It's crazy. But yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, wild, wild. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh so background. Where yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you went to uh you got your T5i and then realized that your videos weren't what they wanted them to be. You went to YouTube University and then how'd you get to where you're at today? Yep. Uh so practicing, refining, learning, growing, just like continually making videos for anytime fitness, not in an idea that, hey, I'm gonna start a production company someday. It was more so like I wanted to create good information based on the the knowledge that I had, which was health and fitness. Yeah. And I was putting that out there because I'm I know that if people are learning about uh, fitness through YouTube and through Facebook, that they're going to go to the ones that are the experts. Right. If I'm putting out content. Sure. So uh, did that went through the camera binge stage where I went from the 70D, then I switched to Sony a6300, then the Sony a7 III and a7S yeah. II. Well, and, and so at what point in time did you decide to start your own production company? Because um, I'm curious, like I, I see some of the stuff on the gram that you're doing all the time now, but like at what point were you like, I got to make this an official production company? Okay, so... As I'm making videos for Anytime Fitness, I start falling in love with the process of creating videos because I had actually a lot of history in being creative. Yeah. Like in third grade, third grade, I created my own comic book series and I sold it in schools. Uh, in second grade, I drew anything people wanted me to for money and I, I would sell it to them. And then my mom found out about it and I had to give it all back. And it was really sad. Um what else? I was I was yeah. the gum salesman. So I would buy a, because as a kid, everyone's always asking for a pack of gum. Yeah. And so I just became the guy to be like, dude, I'm tired of everyone getting like taking my gum. I'll sell it to you for a quarter. And so I would buy a pack of gum. There's 15 sticks in a pack and I would sell all 15 for a quarter a pop. 
And then eventually it got to be the point to where I was like the gum guy. And so I just had a stash of like packs in my locker and I was flipping gum. That's and funny. like I started selling whole packs to people um, just because they had access in school. And I was yeah. the gum entrepreneur. Back I could in. see you opening yeah. your locker and there's just all these <laughs> gum packs. So I, I was gifted one time for, I think for my birthday, a hundred packs of gum and they were all different. And I was like, I don't like half of these. So I'm going to turn around and sell them to people when they ask for gum in class. And so I profited and made money on the gift of like a hundred packs of gum. And then I was like, I can, I can make this something. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like the entrepreneur spirit starts like young. Either you have the spirit to be an entrepreneur or you don't have the guts to. Some people just don't have the guts to. Yeah. Uh, And I didn't really consider myself an entrepreneur, but through Anytime Fitness, through discovering a new passion, uh, I, the barrier to entry for video production mm-hmm. I knew was not that huge. Right. It's not like you have to buy a retail space or buy a ton of equipment. As long as you can sell your creative craft to somebody else that needs your services, then you can do it. I love that, so. dude. And so fast forward to today, like I see on the gram, you guys are doing um, a ton in the car space. Like obviously you're out in, in other sectors, um, you guys are working with a ton of different dealerships, a ton of different um, just automotive companies. How did that all spiral into, you know, did you go out and pursue that or did that something that just kind of happened? I'm a big believer in working for free until you have the the demo reels, the demos to show clients to, to land. That's the bait, right? That you can attract the type of clients that you want to have. And for us, we didn't have anything in the car business. And so I reached out to in the DMs of Park Place dealerships and reached out to them. And it just so happened that it got in front of the right person. Because a lot of the times when you DM somebody on Instagram, like big companies, like it doesn't just go to the right person. It goes to somebody managing social media. Well, they're not the ones in charge of hiring, you know, a crew to come out and shoot a video. Uh, well, they forwarded me to the right person. And that person checked out my Instagram, saw a Nike spec commercial that I did a long time ago. And they loved the style and they loved everything, even though that was a free video that at least landed me an opportunity to get in front of Park Place. Uh, and that's what started that whole relationship. Dude, I love that, man. So going back to, uh, you know, that free, you know, spec project that you did was essentially what got you in the, into the door. And, um, you know, Shane and I are a big believer of making spec projects so that you have a proof of concept to go out and pitch and sell and do the projects that you want to focus on. For somebody who is listening and they're not, they haven't made their first spec project or they've made a couple, but they don't really make that a pillar of the type of projects that they create, but they're interested in getting in, you know, their foot in the door in a, in an area of the industry that they're not working in right now. What did, what tangible advice would you have for somebody to go out and make a successful spec project and then market it to get it into the right hands to then get future business? I would say do your research before deciding on a type of production that you want to do, figure out the type of product that you want to target mm-hmm. and then research the commercials that if it's in the commercial industry, research the commercials that have been done in that space and then make your version of something similar to what you've seen them put out. Mm. Don't try to reinvent the wheel of something completely out there that you don't think like if I'm going to make a Nike commercial, I'm going to make something based on what I've seen Nike put out in the past. 
I'm not going to try to come up with some weird creative yeah. concept that's out there. Um, while that may be effective, it's not going to be a good representation to help land you future clients. Uh, well, let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. So like what you do a lot of these projects, what are mm -hmm. your favorite ones to work on? My favorite projects to work on are anyone that uh, allows us the creative freedom to be able to to produce the project like fully. Sometimes with with certain clients or companies, like they're they have a marketing department that's so involved that they take our idea that they love from the get go, and then they mold it and transform it into what they think is uh, right in line yeah. with their brand uh, of based on what they've done in the past. So they're not willing to try something new that could be beneficial to their business. So I love working on projects that allow me the creative freedom yeah. to produce what we want to produce. So, so when, when you have a client that is that dream client that just gives you the creative freedom to do whatever you want, uh, walk me through what your creative process looks like when, a you know, when a new lead comes onto your desk, you get this new opportunity to do a project. Um, what does your creative process look like in terms of making that, you know, something special? Right. I mean, it comes down to first a discovery call, like really any production company would do, figuring yeah. out who they're trying to target with that video, uh, determining what their budget is, because that's going to determine a lot of what we can do within that budget. Um, and then we would go back and brainstorm some ideas and even down to putting together mood boards and, and uh, an entire Google Slides presentation that communicates our idea. Because if you can have the best idea in the world, but if you don't know how to communicate that to your potential client or yeah. current client, it is not going to be, it's not going to help you. Yeah. One of the things that we um, recently introduced at Cinema Story that has made a massive impact on the way that our clients receive the pitches that we we deliver them is is we spent a lot of time creating this really um, elaborate pitch deck with photos and links and like send it to a marketing person had them like design up this really really cool pdf and then we go in there when we get a new lead and we just replace the text with the you know uh, about the project itself and so when a client gets it they receive this beautiful pdf not just this word doc with like you know, Excel, you know, stuff on it that looks really boring when you open it, but the visuals in the pitch presentation um, and, and the packaging is so powerful in moving the needle to think, wow, like they did all of this on the front end. Like these are people that I really want to work with. And so even when you're pitching to the client, just the packaging that you deliver the, the pitch in we have seen a tremendous amount of ROI on just the time invested into making your pitch, uh, you know, package PDF, whatever you want to call it presentable, so to speak. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If you just have an idea and you hop on a phone call and you're like, yeah, yeah. here's my idea. And then you expect them to give you like 50 K to right. go and make that happen. Right. Not going to well, happen. And even just like email quotes, like so often, like when I was getting started, someone would be like, Hey, so like, what's this? And I'd send them back an email and I'd be like, it'll be this. And, you know, to a degree, like you can qualify certain people to a certain extent with that. But if you really have a client that you really want to win, the packaging that you present that pitch to them in matters so much. Yeah. And even with uh, those pitches, we've we've done that as well. Uh, 
However, we don't even email over pitches anymore. Yeah. We'll hop on a phone call, a right. Zoom call, video call, and so you or actually are walking them through. Yeah, like, it's more of an open discussion. Mm-hmm. We'll share our ideas and thoughts, but then we ask them, "How do you feel this in line? Like, like is in line with your brand?" Cool, right? So yeah. it's an open forum, and then at the end of the day, at the end of the presentation, you're like, "All right, what do you think about this?" Yeah. yeah. And then you'll get their true, honest answers right then and yeah. there. Where did where did the name Red Creative Films come from? Oh man! All right, let's let's talk about company. So my LLC is actually Branded Video Production LLC. Okay. And that's the company name I was gonna do business as, right? But I went around and I was marketing everything as Branded Video Production. But in a in conversations with people, I would say, "Yeah, I'm with Branded Video Production." They're like, "Oh, you must be branded." Like Brandon. Got I'm like, it. no, it's branded. Like you're a brand branded. Got and it. And so it got really confusing. <laughs> and I realized early on that that was not a smart name choice, but yeah. I wasn't going to file <laughs> another LLC. Um, so I did a DBA uh, eventually as Red Creative Films. But the name in between that was Creative Creative Films Without the I. Because okay. I can't be creative without you. Whoa, there you go. But then everybody was misspelling it. Yeah. Right. Right. So little stupid stuff like that you got to think about when starting a company name. Yeah. Uh, And then Red Creative Films, we shoot on red. So that's one thing. I was going to ask if that had anything to do with it. A little bit for sure. It was actually the name. We went with that name even before we were shooting on red because growing up, I, I know I don't look like it now, but I was a redhead uh-huh. and I'm still kind of a, I call consider myself a day walker. If you remember that from South park, but, oh man, wait, th- was that the no souls thing? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. That's yep. awesome. So I was a redhead growing up. I've gotten darker as my age has progressed, but, yeah. uh, so red has been a part of like my life for a long time. Uh, and then my dream was always to shoot on red cameras. Yeah. I didn't know that I was going to invest in my first red as soon as the pandemic hit. I think I actually invested in mine around the same time. I feel like we had a very That's similar crazy. trajectory, but yeah, I which which one did you get? The Red Epic Dragon. Nice. The DSMC1. Nice, nice. Yep. Um do you still have that one? Sold it. Sold it. Yeah. Um yeah, I feel like I had a very similar like trajectory to you in like terms of time frame, which is interesting. But I was gonna ask like it where the like if you felt obligated to shoot on red when having a name like Red Creative Films. Yeah. Well, I knew I wanted to produce like the yeah. top. I knew I wanted to produce high quality commercials, and I knew that going either red or Ari was the way yeah. to go. Yeah. And red is definitely more financially attainable 100%. than Ari. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, Shane and I, we, we asked this question to most pr- production company owners that we have on the show. And it's always something that we're curious about because it's, it's a, a point of, um, I don't want to say comf- there's, let me, j- I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead and ask it and yep. we'll, we'll, we'll yep, see yep. What, where you go with it. But as a production company owner and as a cinematographer, who's passionate about filmmaking so often there can be a conflict, um, of how you of you being pulled in multiple different directions where it's like I need to be focusing on the business and not being in the business but I'm also passionate about being in the trenches and like making films and making art how do you manage the multiple passions and multiple different roles and hats that you wear within both making the art and running the business 
Yeah, it's been a learning curve. I don't think I'm 100% there yet. A couple of years ago, I read a book called The E-Myth that was rec- mm. to me, recommended to me by a friend. And I realized that in order for my small business to succeed, that I needed to focus on the vision and being the true entrepreneur that I am in the company uh, and hire people to do the rest of the work. Uh, so I actually built a business model that's set up with like if, as if Red Creative Films was fully realized, what that's going to look like and goals financially and locations and all of that. Uh, so all that's like drawn out. So I kind of have a roadmap to where I want to take the company. Um, as if we have a marketing, a complete marketing team, a finance team and a production team, like all of that. Right. Um, but I started transitioning the roles. Um, I hired my first full-time employee in 2021 Mm -hmm. and he took on a more of a production manager role. And so he was running a lot of like the day-to-day stuff and handling a lot of the pre-production, but I slowly transitioned his role after reading this book into my lead creative producer. So the idea is that he is going to handle a lot of the client communications, all the, the, all of the pre-production and even overseeing the post-production side of things. And he has been with me the longest. So he understands the vision and the expectations that I have for what the product that we deliver to clients. And so it's allowed me to be a little more hands off on that. It's still a struggle internally because I am creative and I, it it is our product at the end of the day that I want to make sure is right. Um, But it's about giving up a little bit of that control to my creative producer so that he can do his job and the post-production side can do their job. I feel like finding that uh, unicorn of a person that can do all of that is like one of the hardest uh, things because it's like if I could hire someone to just handle all of that stuff, you know, to, to a degree we do, but there is still a lot of stuff that I'm, you know, in a lot of ways that lead creative, you know, piece, but we also have producers that are, you know, working the, with the clients to do a lot of the same stuff. What advice do you have for hiring that person um, to be that lead creative producer within a production company? Because I feel like that's one of the first things that the production company owners need to let go to let the business grow. But so often they hang on to and stunts the growth of their company. Yeah, actually, if I was to go and do it again, and this is no, uh, not trying to say anything about Chandler's role, but from the get-go, I think if I would have had the business plan mapped out uh, and knowing what roles to hire in what yeah. order, what was taking up the most amount of my time was actually post-production mm. editing. So I would have hired a full-time editor to handle that, and I would be the lead creative producer, the director, the cinematographer, the head of productions. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. So as a business owner, what do you think have been some of the most like impactful things you've implemented into your business? to help grow it for other people out there who have production companies that want to grow them, that want to make them bigger than they currently are. What are things that they should be doing and focusing on to help grow their production companies? I would say number one is focusing on the product that you deliver, Mm. because if you deliver an excellent quality product and it's right in line with what your customer wants or it exceeds their expectations, then that is going to lead to word of mouth and word of mouth has been our number one growth tool. Hmm. Um, But outside of that, I would say getting the right tools and processes implemented in your business. For example, one of the tools we use is frame IO, 
one of the bottlenecks uh, that we were having before with like Vimeo and everything is uh, having a post-production side of somebody that is part-time remote in office and then part-time like working from uh, our, our headquarters um, is being able to get them the flow of the files and being able to edit and have access to everything. So right now our editor uses Parsec to remote in to our uh, desktop that's at the, the home office. And then we use proxy files for uh, Frame.io and Red actually uh, creates those proxy files for us and they upload to the cloud so he can download them and start working like right away on certain projects. Uh, but getting the flow, having a project management software that keeps track of all your projects uh, as far as like running the business but then if you want to talk about growth and sales and trying to get more business and clients, that's a whole other thing. So you talked about putting the product first um, and, and just focusing on really just honing your craft at the end of the day to be, you know, a top cinematographer, top whatever. Um, on the on the same vein of products, you guys pump a ton of those final products onto social media and I've seen you leverage social, um, which I feel like has probably been super impactful on your business as well. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but in helping yeah. with word of mouth, social media is like it's a game changer. And so uh, at the very minimum, social media gives a little more credibility. Yeah. Uh, especially having a follower account that's true and organic and having engagement rates and all of that. Yeah. Uh, we can use that as leverage whenever we have a pitch with a company, especially that all companies now, they want a video, but then they want to be able to share it across multiple platforms, right. have different use cases for it. And if we can show that, hey, what we've done is worked and this is tried and true, yeah. then it gives credibility. But then, yeah, the reach helps a ton. But yeah. a lot of my followers, I would consider like filmmakers. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily clients or right. potential clients. Right. So that's a whole nother avenue that I may be pursuing like down the line. But yeah. we don't have time for that. Right yeah, I, I feel like the biggest thing, like Instagram is amazing for building that social credibility. But in terms of it being like a lead gen funnel and whatnot, like most internet leads are not as good as, you know, leads from people that are word of mouth or that find you even on Google SEO. And, um, you know, through some of those, uh, you know, through seeing an actual product themselves and going, Oh, let me do some research. And yeah. so, um, I'm curious with that being the case, like you obviously have a great social presence. How did that get started early on? Um, and now how do you see that impacting your business today? Yeah, I mean, I can't put the date behind it, but yeah. uh, at first I was posting only photos to Instagram, right? Yeah. Photo, photos, Instagram was a photo sharing app. Right. And of course I was obsessed, like most people, yeah. to be like Peter McKinnon and get the grid yeah. all looking yeah. good. And then finally I was like, you know what? I don't really even do photos. I don't want to do photos. So I'm going to start sharing some of the videos that I do. Well, all of a sudden I start sharing videos. They start getting more engagement, more views just right out the gate than photos. And that was right about the time that Instagram was starting to push video even more. Yeah. Uh, and then one got, what got really popular was those split screens where you see the behind the scenes and then you see the final product below. Yeah. This was before IG Reels. And I did one post. It was of a smoked margarita uh, that I filmed like for fun yeah. for a YouTube video. Yeah. 
And I did a stacked version of that uh, behind the scenes and then final product. And that like blew up. It, it had like 300,000 views. And that was the first time I'd ever seen those kind of that kind of traction right, on Instagram. Right. And I started looking back at all my stuff and I'm like, all right, what is working and what is not working? What is getting more engagement and what is just tanking? And so I start doing more of those things over and over of what works and slowly but surely have grown. Do you feel like the consistency and like quantity is more important than the quality or the product at for social media? Because a lot of people want to not post unless it's their very best stuff and whatnot. But I feel like I have heard more people say that consistency and just being relevant is a better metric to growing a social platform. Which one, obviously you can't have one without the other, but which one do you feel like has been more important to focus on the quantity piece or the quality piece? I mean, honestly, I think it's a, a good blend of both. Yeah. Because you don't sure. you don't want to just put out a bunch of content that's not quality. And also quality content is very subjective. I, I feel like the market and the the people on social media will determine what is quality content and what's yeah. not. Um, like I posted a video, I think it was a cell phone clip of me filming an actual like production of a of a Porsche coming down yeah, yeah, yeah. the uh, uh parking garage and that just blew up. It's at 1.6 million views. It's crazy. And I'm like, that took no time at all. Yeah. It just, it took, oh, somebody might find this like interesting. Yeah. To think that. And so that determined that that was quality content. Yeah. But what's interesting about that is because I was out there in the parking garage filming that Porsche with a, you know, $8,000 setup, you know, doing the ninja walk, we wouldn't have had that cell phone clip to post if we weren't on set doing that production. So for filmmakers and content creators, it's not about just like filming stuff on your cell phone. Uh, it's about showing behind the scenes look at what you're doing. And really any business can do that. I feel like the the behind the scenes, um, like and, and the reaction stuff and, and, and whatnot is some of the stuff that actually plays really well on social. And so one of the pivots that we've done, um, especially on like, uh, like we have a weddings films page, we have a, a, a commercial page and, you know, this podcast and stuff like that. The the authentic raw reaction uh, behind the scenes stuff, it does way better most of the time, at least for us, than our final product like videos that we put out for clients and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And yep. so we've made it um, part of our MO to try to get those you know, to prioritize behind the scenes stuff, IG reels, things like that. Um, but it's very difficult on the back end to try to edit all the content, to post all the content and, you know, engage, like it's a whole other, you know, pillar of your business. Um, how have you found success integrating, creating social content into your everyday life? Cause you also do like skits and educational content and stuff like that as well. Like how have you been able to run a business, be in the field, you know, create this content online, uh, and, and integrate it into part of your everyday business while doing everything else? Yeah. That's one of those things that I wish I even had more time for. Yeah. Um, this is going back to working so much, uh, in the business that yeah. it's hard to work on the business and yeah. put out that kind of content. Uh, but it usually stems from a, a fun, creative idea that we have when we're just joking around yeah. um, and putting out something different. So it's not just the same like cell phone behind the scenes clip every single time. Yeah. 
but with social media, especially Instagram, TikTok, you really don't have to like think too much about it. Yeah. It's more so uh, we would do like a cell phone behind the scenes clip vertical. You always want to start vertical on yeah. that. And then you cut to the how the final shot came out. Yeah. So it's actually easier than what it was in the past to grow and get more views on on social. Because um, before I had to edit an entire project. Yeah. And then I had to go through all the behind the scenes, find the moment that lined up with each and every shot of that project. Yeah. And then post that. And so that took a lot more work. So right. it really takes no work. If you're working on a project already, you have a clip from that project. Then you pair that with a behind the scenes clip that somebody shot on a cell phone. That takes like what, 10 it's minutes to edit? It's the easiest edit to do. Yeah. For sure. You can pump out. And a lot of the times I do have my creative producer yeah, yeah, do yeah. that. It's just like, Oh, like send me this. Like we're going to post this on social. Yeah. It's super quick. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, the, the social stuff that you guys are doing is really incredible. It's always uh, fun to watch, um, on, on the cinematography side, like you as a cinematographer, you know, from the time that we both started, uh, apparently at the same exact time, <laughs> um, to now, like the game has changed quite a bit for how, People like you and I call us cinematographers, sometimes content creators, whatever you want to call it, um, has changed in terms of how you um, how you find success in your career from now to then. What are some things that they should be doing in this day and age to find success as a cinematographer? I would say to do most of the things that I didn't do. Okay. Uh, that is being on set and shadowing, yeah. uh, being willing to be a first AC or a PA. I literally have never stepped on set as a PA for anybody else. Isn't that wild to think about? Yeah, I don't is. know if you, you had done some of that, like I, maybe in college. I, so after. I, I actually worked as a PA. It's funny. So, so I had an opportunity to get onto my first Netflix set as a PA and I took it. Nice. Um, and that wound up actually opening doors to meet my favorite filmmaker of all time, who then hit me up to come film for him uh, the next day, who I met with another producer to uh, work on a film pro project a year later. And it all stemmed from being a PA. And so uh, and, and the other thing on being a PA is the bar is super low for you in terms of like what you have to perform, so to speak to be a great PA. Um, if you're not sitting down and you're constantly asking people, what can I do to help? Like you're going to be great. Mm -hmm. Um, but my few times that I have been a PA have been, I've either learned a ton about how to do my future job better, or I've built relationships with people who actually give me future jobs. Yeah. And so like being a PA is like an amazing opportunity when you're coming up to, you know, not think that you're above it, um, so to speak. Yeah, it gets your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, honestly, when I started my LLC in 2018, I didn't even know what a PA was. Yeah. So yeah. and then I got to a point in, you know, carving out my own path that I knew what a PA, PA right. was. I knew what roles were on set and all that. But all that was learned over yeah, learning and growing and YouTube and talking yeah. with people and so I understand so much more of the production side and what it takes to do a production now. Right. Uh, but if I was starting it out again, I would be a PA on set yeah. and I wouldn't feel like I need to step in like, oh, let me 
operate the camera. Let me be, let me be a camera right. op or a DP on this. It's an opportunity for you to really absorb at the end of the day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so, uh, one of the other cool opportunities, uh, what I was doing behind the scenes. Um, and so like BTS similar to a PA is like one of the best jobs that you can have on a film because there's no pressure on you to, you know, really do that much, but you get a chance to absorb and to learn and to grow and to shake hands. And, um, that, being a BTS videographer for that production actually land, uh, landed me my very first DP feature film opportunity because I was there um, doing that. And so those opportunities that you have to like take that low man job, so to speak, quote unquote, um, it's not, but it's, you know, uh, it's looked at that way. Yeah. Um, those are some of the best opportunities that you have to grow and, and climb to that next step in your career. Mm-hmm. So agreed. So think. do you focus, and I don't want to like take away from yeah. the questions we're doing here, but, uh, it sounds like you do a little combination of commercials and like yeah. feature films. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, we at cinema story do mostly corporate and commercial work but then we're doing a, a big push right now towards narrative. And so I've DP'd um, my very first uh, film. And then uh, that has now la- that, that has now ended up with me almost, I guess I have almost four on my plate right now that I'm waiting for the strike to end, which as of this week supposedly is ending. Um, and so, yeah, we're doing a big push towards narrative and, and, and DPing projects like that right now. And that's so cool. That let me ask you: Are you doing anything in the narrative space, like sh- like I guess short films and and feature length projects and beyond? People have asked me that in, in the past, and I am potentially interested in that. Yeah. It's just tough because I don't know that industry as yeah. much. I know there's similarities between that and commercial, but my I do have a minor in like business. Yeah, you know, from Texas State, and yeah. so uh, I understand marketing and commercials and i know that field more and i just don't understand like the narrative like film industry as much it it, it really is a different beast but i feel like um you know from everyone that i've talked to like if you're following the money it's in commercial like like companies uh who like let, let me let me rephrase it anyone who's trying to make a feature film is trying to do more than they can with the budget that they have. And I mean, a lot of our clients, you know, it's the same song and dance, but at the end of the day, companies are willing to spend more on a two to three minute film um, for the amount of time that we have to put in versus the, um, you know, the two hour film that they're trying to make $250,000 stretch like so far, or even, you know, a couple million dollars stretch so far in there, you know, they want a Ferrari, but they got a Honda civic budget, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, man, it's fun. The narrative stuff. I feel like at the end of the day brings me some of the most fulfillment as a DP, but I'm curious, like for you, what is the fulfillment driver in the art that you create? I mean, it's to be as creative as possible. Um, and that's why I consider myself, I I do directing, but I'm like our lead cinematographer, right? We have other DPs that we'll hire uh, for certain projects, but, uh, I'm the lead and I love the cinematography side of it because one, I love lighting and I love making beautiful images. Yeah. Like that's number one. And I love matching 
the images to the story and the feel. Um, and not to mention, like, I, I don't know if you enjoy this too, but I love also the post-production color grading side yeah. of things. Yeah. So I feel like cinematography uh, and color grading go so hand in hand. 100%. And I love creating looks. Yeah. I think that's the thing. And in commercials, you can do that based on what is the mood that they're going for? Yeah. How do we make this, like, commercial look as good as it, as, as it needs to be? Um, and it's not all about just what it was in the past of like high key lighting. Now you're seeing right. more commercials look like narrative films. Yes. It looks like a movie. Yes. And so that's, I'm still getting that fulfillment of creating those looks um, where even though I'm not like doing narratives. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, a lot of learning how to light for narrative came from learning how to light in the commercial space and whatnot. And, and being a DP, yeah, you have. I have a passion for the the lighting process, you know, how the camera is affecting the mood of everything and the aesthetics of the image, but then also the the post-production piece and like how it's colored at the end of the day. And if your film, that's one of the things that I struggle with when I hand my DP work off to other people where it's like okay, somebody else is coloring it and then I'm not and then I'm not as stoked to put it out at the end of the day. It's like one of the most like, mm -hmm. you know, it's one of the biggest bummers in, in what we do. Um, Unless we're handing it off to like company. Three. Right, 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 right. Unless you're handing it off to like the, the right bro. people. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, so do you let just anybody color your your stuff or do you like if you get hired to just DP something, do you let anyone color it or do you always come in and like request to have that creative control? It depends on the project. There are certain projects that internally it's a joke between, yeah, you know, Chandler and Michael um, that Michael are, is our full-time video editor yeah. and he will admit himself that he's not the greatest at color grading, but yeah. he has learned uh, my techniques. And so he knows how to like get the image in a right. good place, like a very basic, like good looking yeah, image. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if it's a creative project, like we did a Nike spec about a month ago, um, I want to color grade that. Like I yeah. want to get that looking a particular way. Um, and I know I just can't give that up to Michael. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's, it's kind of a fun banter in the office. That, yeah. That's fun. Do you guys have a physical location? We're working on that. Yeah. It's, same. It's, it's in the, it's in the works. Actually, my wife is due in seven weeks. Congrats, brother. Thank Congrats. You. Thank Soon you. to be dad. Yeah. Love so, it, man. Right there with Shane. Right? Yep. Yep. Y'all yep. going to have a, do y'all know if it's a boy or a girl? Boy. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a baby girl, but uh, congrats to both of you guys. I'm not at that season of my life yet, but uh, I know it's a beautiful time for you guys. And it's going to, it's going to change life for the better yeah. from what I'm, I've been told. How do you feel like being a, a father is going to impact your business? I feel like it's just going to motivate me more. Mm. Um, it's a little scary because I don't want to say like a baby is like hiring an employee, but you're, there's going to be more expenses yeah. that go up because you have a child now. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to make sure that we're that it doesn't affect the company and that yeah. we're still able to operate and grow and because um, it is on our list uh, on my list and goals uh, to get a studio space and yeah. have have a space where we can have cars in there like yeah. it needs to be a big enough space uh, to create our own sets in yeah um, so that's on my list but now with the baby coming that's I'm still in the exploratory phase but we are working on that. That's awesome, dude. I feel, um, 
very in line with like all of the stuff you said, like we're, we're thinking about it. We're working on the space thing. We want to have a studio that's big enough to have our own sets and production. And that's, you know, ultimately like what we're working towards right now. Apart from that, man, um, you mentioned goals. What's next for you in terms of what you're working on, uh, for this next coming year? We currently have a lot of projects and new clients that we have onboarded and started working with. And uh, we do a model that's called uh, a retainer uh-huh. where it's like a flat fixed monthly amount that they pay. For is that ex- for like social content, like deliverables and stuff like that? Or is it for like the commercial stuff too? So it's actually mainly commercial stuff. Interesting. So commercials, the way you think about this, and this is how we talk it, talk it through to our clients is if you make uh, this high quality video, right? It's more of a commercial video. Yeah. You can cut that down for social media. You can have bits and pieces of that that you do as a shorter form cut for social, right? You can't reverse engineer that. You can't take a cell phone behind the scenes clip and expect to put ad spend behind that. Right. So we produce the content and it can trickle down, but it can't trickle up, mm. right? So uh, a lot of what we're, our niche and what we're trying to focus on is producing that higher quality production content, not just going out to film like a YouTube video or, you know, an right. IG reel. Right. Like it's a waste of our time if we're going out and shooting an IG reel on a red V Raptor. Yeah. That's dumb. Like yeah, nobody, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody's doing that. So, so kind of dive a little bit deeper into what that retainer looks like. Cause I haven't heard of any other production companies offering that. And I feel like it's an interesting service that you guys are basically putting clients on retainer to make frequent commercials with them so that they can then break that up into more pieces of content and whatnot. But you figured out a way to, also incorporate not just like the not fulfilling small social little IG real TikTok like videos, but now you can produce incredible pieces of content for them that fulfill you as a company, as a creative, but then also give them a better ROI at the end of the day. So I'm curious what, uh, if you can expand on, you know, what that model looks like so that other people can learn how to implement that into their own business. Most of the clients that we work with that are a certain business size, they usually have an internal marketing team. And so they usually have a social media manager that's creating their own content via Mm -hmm. cell phones. So if we go in there and we try to pitch a retainer package that includes IG, just IG real content or social content, they're going to be like, well, we already have that. Right. Uh, So what we do is we sit down with them, another like discovery call, figure out what their needs are as a business and what type of content could be possible. And there's all kinds of stuff, right? Testimonials, product, uh, product spotlights, anything commercials that you're going to run on social, um, things like that. And we break it down. It's probably different than most people. If you try to customize a retainer package for each and every client, that's going to take a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we do is we give them options based on the amount of days they want to use for, uh, for production. Got it. So we quote based on production days. It's like if so, you guys want two production days this month, month. Yeah. then you get this on the back end. And we wrap in pre-production and post-production into that production yes. day. Yes. Right? So yep. it's they're not seeing like all these different itemized things. Right. It's, and then we also do have, it's one of the, the new things we started doing is uh, that we've learned through trial and error is yep. we have an add-on section on the bottom. Okay. If they want to add on actors, you know, talent, if they, if we need to add in an audio engineer, if we need to add in a grip gaff person, right, things like that, 
that will help uh, in studios. Yeah. Because like, we're not going to eat that cost as a production totally. company. Uh, whereas in the past, we kind of have a little bit. Yeah. So we have an add-on section where here's what's included for your base package for two days of production per month. Yeah. And then if you need for any of those production days, if you need to add on, you know, one talent for something, sure. then it's going to cost X amount. Um, so it, it allows us to give them a discount than if they were to right. um, work with us on a per project basis. Right. So it works out better for them and it gives us guaranteed consistent income. Yeah. And that's how you can build and grow a business. That's amazing, dude. That is amazing. Yeah, we recently introduced retainers probably about a year and a half ago, but they've primarily been on the social side of stuff, mm-hmm. not the commercial side of stuff. And so uh, I love the concept of introducing the commercial retainers for future clients. That's I think that's powerful and it, it is something I'd never really even thought about before. Oh, yeah. um, and so that's awesome, dude. Well, uh, bro. First and foremost, thank you so much for coming to the studio today to drop all of this. We want to get you out of here on time, but we have five questions that we'd like to ask every single guest before they get out of here that I got to I gotta run it past you. So my first question for you is if you could go back and do it all differently in your filmmaking career, what is one thing that you would change in your journey? I would say kind of what we talked about before is to know what a one know what a production assistant is and mm. be willing to be a PA on set and gain some like uh experience and yeah. knowledge to be able to have your cup filled so that yeah. you can grow and make those connections. I didn't do that and so that's what I would recommend. I love it, man. Start as a PA for sure. Uh what excites you the most about the current film industry or market? I can speak on the commercial side of things. I know that things are going more and more towards video. And yeah. that's kind of what I knew in 2018. And it's only proven to continue to go more and more towards video and AR. Uh, but I would definitely start exploring what AI can do and kind of be thinking about uh, how AI is going to be integrated into video and start thinking that direction. Uh, it, it excites me, but it also kind of scares me. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Did y'all see uh, the chat GBT can now like see and hear or whatever. And no. so like you can literally post like a picture of a red camera and be like, how do I take this thing apart? And it's going to look at it and it's going to tell you like, oh, you need a quarter 20, you know, screwdriver start here. And it literally looks at images now and can give you a play by play book on how to do things and it can listen to stuff and you know decipher stuff so chat gpt is now getting like they're almost self-aware yeah <laughs> so that's yeah i'm curious have you guys implemented ai into y'all's business yet we'll do it to come up with like different title names yeah uh, and even scripts like if we're if we're scripting something we have script writers that we work with but sometimes we want to just get take a whack at yeah, it yeah, internally yeah. Um, just to get ideas flowing. Totally. We won't like copy and paste a script from right. chat GPT, but if we're like, Hey, we need a, a script of a luxury car dealership that, uh, is trying to promote X, Y, Z. You can take it and then like pull pieces from it and, and weave it into like just idea generation stuff, but you still yeah. have to humanize it at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If it, they are pretty creative at chat GPT. Yeah. So they come awesome. up with ideas and we're like, okay, we'll take that and yeah. expand upon it. Love it, dude. Love it. Um, what is one piece of advice that you can give to filmmakers trying to grow in their craft or their business? I would say to be honest at reflecting on your past work. 
uh, I'm looking at work that I did three years ago and I'm like, man, I would have done X, Y, Z differently. Um, so just be honest with yourself and keep practicing because that's the way I learned and, and grew. Um, that's, that's something I do with my interns actually is, uh, they come in and right out the gate to get baseline numbers is I have them do, uh, all right, make a Spotify commercial 30 seconds and then they have to make it. And it takes the gear factor out of the equation because they can use any of our gear that we have. Right. Right. They're like, Oh, you can make cool videos cause you have all this awesome gear. Well, good luck. Make it. That's right? cool, man. So to practice and it goes back to the spec thing. Those that's all practice. It's just yeah. flexing your creative muscle and trying new things and trying to get out there and be creative. As somebody who has interns working for them, um, what advice do you have for people out there that are in film school that are taking an internship um, and how that applies to them, you know, putting themselves in a better position for their future? I would say not be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Like if this is something you want to do and you're passionate about it, um, definitely make it known what side of production that you want to spend some yeah. time on. For a lot of our interns, we ask that question, but it's like we're we're always trying to pry. Yeah. And it's like, if you're really interested, like start asking questions. Yeah. I I regret not taking an internship in college. I I went the film school route and I like it was a it's a, a college credit. Um, oh, you have to do you one? have you had to do one or you had to do something else that like one percent of students did. And I chose to do that because I just did not want to do an internship at the time. But I regret not taking an internship because I feel like they add so much value in getting real world hands on experience in the field um, and not just learning out of a textbook. So, oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because we had a, a previous intern that he uh, was working for Ace Hardware or something yeah. like that. And his background was like in film. And right. It's like, why aren't you doing anything in film? So he did a three month internship with us and found out through that whole process that he enjoyed the audio side of things yep. more. And now he does audio for Hulu and Netflix shows. Yeah. Well, and that's it's one crazy. of the, that's tight, man. Uh, one of the big things about like your early days into the film career is just dabbling in all of the different roles that you can do. So you can find what do I love? What do I not love? Mm -hmm. And like so often as a filmmaker, you have to start doing everything. You know, if you're going to go the freelance route, like you have to produce, you have to, you know, do production, all the different roles in production, lighting, audio, camera, and then mm -hmm. you have to do all of post-production and then file delivery and then invoicing. And it's a whole deal. But whenever you get to intern, and just dabble, or even if you're not interning, but you're just dabbling in all the different roles, it allows you to go, oh, I do love DPing more than everything else. Or I love gaffing, or I love running audio, and now I'm doing this, and I'm more fulfilled mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And so I think there's a lot of value in dabbling, especially in the early days uh, of getting into your career, man. So Totally. What, what do you feel like we should be focusing on as filmmakers right now, whether it be social, whether it be in commercial work, and how to get clients ROI or, or whatever? I would say to, to pick a niche and go at it a hundred miles an hour. Uh, if you want to do some of the Hulu Netflix shows, I feel like more streaming platforms are going to come out. Um, because right now there's, there's a ton of them already. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. more are going to come out, uh, just like social platforms are coming right. out and some are taking over. Like nobody knows vine anymore. Right. RIP. <laughs> um, there's going to be RIP. There's going to be some turnover with yeah. that kind of stuff. And even social platforms, so if you want to do narrative, go a thousand percent at, at narrative. You, if you want to do commercial work, then go that direction. If you want to be a niche and just do social content, then yeah. do that. 
it's it can be very hard to be too diversified. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to, <laughs> I'm not calling you out by any no, means because no, no, no. you're doing kind of a both. Yeah. But if you're passionate about one, then that's what you should be like yeah. pursuing. Yeah. Because. And I think for me, I am pursuing like doing the higher level production DP work, um, whether that be in commercial or narrative. Um, but I'm at, I'm at the rebranding stage right now where I've been doing corporate and commercial for so long. And I still love doing commercial work. Don't get me wrong. Like commercials are, are amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just doing higher level DP stuff. Um, but yes, the riches are in the niches. And if you can niche down and be like the guy that does this, then everyone's going to hire you for the thing that you're best at and love doing the most. So, right. Yeah. And not everybody's going to be like, Oh, I want to be a production company owner. Right. It's okay to be a freelance DP, you know, and pursue that yeah. and try to get ASE certified, all that. Yep. Like it's okay. Yep. But for me, I knew that I always wanted to grow red creative films to be something bigger than just myself. I didn't yeah. want them to think like, Oh yeah, Justin at red creative films is so great. I want them to be like, Yes, Red Creative Films is so great. Like, yeah. take Justin out of it. Yeah, man, I wish Shane was here today because you guys would have brought out they uh, y'all y'all speak the same language and um, just like how you envision like your company long term and whatnot. And like Shane is the same way. He's like, I I don't want this to be Shane writes Amber Films. Like, I want it to be Cinema Story. And like, nice. I want Cinema Story to go on. Like, even if you know, one day like he ages out and is like, I want to chill and sit back. Like I want this thing to go on. And so that is the drawback when you are a, a freelance DP, it's like, well, you know, you have to put the time in, um, in order to still make money and be in the field. But it's all about um, you. That's, yep. that's the grind when you still love being in the trenches and making the art. And so, yeah. And it's yeah. so common yeah. like now, oh, like, yeah. Like even for bigger productions we do, like we don't have all these in-house people. Right. We contract out. Yeah. Like we hire an audio engineer. We hire a right. grip person, a gaff person. Like, and it's very common in the industry. Yep. So don't think that you just have to like be a DP. Right. Like there's so many other fun things to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it, man. Uh, who is one filmmaker that you admire and why? You know, Chandler actually makes fun of me quite a bit uh, because he's our creative yeah. producer uh because there's like these crazy like awesome films in hollywood yeah and he's like oh have you see seen gone girl i'm like no i haven't seen gone girl what you haven't seen gone girl like you're yeah. in the film industry why are you not seeing yeah, these yeah. movies and i'm like i don't know like is it a is it like a, a comedy yeah like i've seen the hangover yeah <laughs> like i don't know the movies that i like are yeah some action films yeah you know i i, I dig those um but so going back to like the film, the filmmaker, uh, there's a lot of filmmakers I admire on social media. Yeah. Um, that are actually doing like what I love to do. Yeah. Um, who's some, who's one person on social that's killing it as a filmmaker. There's a lot of them out there. Uh, one that comes to mind is Danny Gewurz. Mm. Danny is actually one of uh, one of the people I'm trying to get on the pod. So if anybody out there knows him, Danny, I want to talk to you and ask you some questions, brother, because Danny's work is incredible. And like you, he pours back into the filmmaking community and uh, does lots of educational content, shares how he does what he does, and uh, seems just like a good dude uh, in general. So shout out, Danny. Yeah, I don't know how he does it all. I yeah. don't think he has a huge team. I think he I does think, all yeah. YouTube himself. I don't think he has a big team either. And that's where, like, for me, I'm like, I don't know how people do this without an army because it's it's exhausting, like, being the one-man band and... 
uh, just even having a small team, it's just, there's so many moving pieces that I don't know how he does it for sure. Do you know about Cooper films? That sounds super familiar, but I don't know. So he's the guy that created a spec trailer okay. for Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like yes, the revamp. Yes, and they like saw it. Will and Smith picked yes. it up. Yeah, and he picked it up. Yep. Dude. And now it's on Peacock. <laughs> yeah, crazy, bro. Like social media. Power of social, man. That's so sick. Yeah. Well, shout out Cooper. Shout out. Uh, shout out Danny, man. Got to have both of them on the pod someday. Yep. Yeah. Well, brother, it has been a blast talking with you, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for coming by the studio today. Appreciate all that you're doing in the industry here in Dallas, giving back uh, on the education side, entertaining us, putting out cool content, man. It has been a pleasure, and we wish you the best in your uh, endeavors with Red Creative, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, this has been a great episode. Signing off for the Rough Cut Club. Rough Cut.